show is brought to you by MillenniLink, where talent and digital transformations intersect. Hey, Britt. Jess, how are you? Excited for your trip to Bermuda? I'm excited for my quick little turnaround trip. I was telling everybody about the drama last week of getting the wrong COVID test. I literally <laughs> just got the test. It takes like three days with the PCR or whatever. Again, PSA to anyone who did not listen last week. If you are traveling, rapid tests are not acceptable for airlines. So please make sure you get the PCR. Um, and the girl called and they give you, you know how they give you that like moment of silence? She's like, birthday, please. I give my birthday. And she's like, negative i'm like dude like give me a two quicker than that seriously <laughs> i i've been testing i got my test back i think yesterday and every time i click on it it's like view results like my heart stops yeah because you're like Cause you never know like, could it be <laughs> <laughs> so we're in the clear on that so i'm a little bit nervous actually going to another country because they're like it's like canada the covid rules outside of the u.s are so strict like right off the plane, I have to get the PCR test. Like, I wonder how that will look if there's like two nurses as you're like getting off the plane, you think? And then how do you have to quarantine once you get there? Quarantine for 24 hours. So I'm staying at like okay. the nicest hotel, the Rosewood <laughs> Bermuda. And I'm like, just going to be sitting Rosewood at property. I know. Rosewood and the montages, I feel like are the two property groups that are just like crushing it right now. They're doing really well. They're yes. just like really and- elegant and nice. And then how many nights are you there for? Just two nights. I'm running Why? back. Why? Why so quick? Because it's a quick trip. I'm actually going by myself. I I like tried to get so many people to come with me. I couldn't get anyone to come. I would have came. Are you kidding? Oh my gosh. I should have got you to come. We could have like, we could have quarantined together. From from the beach. It's from (laughs) the beach. So um, uh, FYI to everybody, on me, not on Brit, we are canceling Thursday's show just because it's kind of intense. I have to go there. I have to quarantine. It just felt like too much. So we're going to cancel Thursday's show, but we will be back at it the following Tuesday. So Sorry, guys, bear with us. And we are, I just want to say, we are very, very close to the 10K monthly subscribes and listens. And I love the people who listen. Like, everyone who listens, like, I wish, like, I'm not cool enough to be friends with them. Like, I think they're so, like, chic and cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, who are these amazing ladies who always message us? I'm like, wow, you guys are, like, rock stars. Yeah, we need to open up, like, a group, a cake for breakfast group. Because, like, literally every single guy friend I have would want to date the girls who listen to the show. But so even got- guys who listen, too. Like, the guys listen because cool I think people. they, at some point, want to meet all the, the gorgeous women who listen to our show. Ooh, so We'll spin off. We'll do a spin off business of like matchmaking on the side yes so we will like create a community at some point um people are still raving about emily in paris like my mom called and her and i had this like long talk about like how obsessed we were with it like i just feel like it's everyone hates it at the beginning because they want to be cool and then like six (laughs) episodes in people on their instagrams are like this show is amazing like everybody needs to watch it so i'm like still like loving the energy (laughs) i'm honestly surprised you like it because it's pretty cheesy it's cute but i wasn't sure if you would actually be a fan of it well I think what's special about it is every girl who's left like wherever town they're from and like land in like a New York or an LA like everybody can connect to that mo- no one can connect to like oh look I have a Chanel- new Chanel bag in every scene and I have the nicest apartment <laughs> in Paris but like everyone can connect to that moment of like you don't have friends you're trying to figure out the city the cultural aspects of the city like I remember just like all these different things that I didn't grow up with that I had to learn that are like accustomed to New York you know what I mean like you just like learn as you go and just like trying to make it like that's the big sort of theme in the show is like making it I agree I love it have you guys heard how Black Friday is changing this year if you're a brick and mortar company that depends on an end of year boost from Black Friday in holiday season sales forecasts for 2020 are bleak 
With COVID regulations expected to remain in place well into 2021, companies that depend on foot traffic are scrambling for e-commerce and mobile commerce solutions, as well as payment solutions that are consumer friendly. Creating, implementing, and maintaining a digital commerce solution for your business can be expensive and challenging, especially when you're trying to hire the right people for the job. But don't worry, Cake for Breakfast has got you covered. Our sponsor, Millennialink, is an all-star recruiter out of Canada. As American-based companies in the work-from-home era, we can use the service to hire tech and IT professionals while paying 69 cents on the dollar for top talent. Canada is a global leader in attracting tech and IT talent, with Toronto especially ranking up there with quality standards consistent with Seattle and New York. Good tech talent can be hard to find, so why not tap into some new pools of talent, especially if you have noticed a shortage in your market due to high-skilled immigrant H-1B visas being restricted. Hiring from Canada offers you a large pool of experienced professionals who have been educated, trained, and are accustomed to regularly working in the U.S., now, here is the deal. Now through Christmas, Millennialink is offering 25% off all their tech and IT hiring fees. If you're listening to our podcast and you know you want a free tech assessment for your business to make sure your business is able to operate in the digital economy, then just give these guys a shout. They can be reached at 1-647-643-6100 or contact them at www millennialink m-i-l-l-e-n-i-l-i-n-k dot com slash contact dash us you will find all this information in our show's bio today on the show we're talking sophia franklin's comeback big television network drama and cody is taking the kardashians to the next level all right let's start off the show today with the big bombshell drop on Friday, which was the former Call Her Daddy co-host, Sophia Franklin, who just dropped her new podcast, Sophia with an F. And Britt and I have so many thoughts. <laughs> Did you like yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, okay, I love her like sexy tone and I'm very curious to see like what are the facts with everything going on because she raised some interesting points, but she talks so slowly oh my God. and you told me and I with talk that like tone no I like her like sexy voice like the tone of her voice I love yeah how slowly she talks <laughs> and like what she says like draw like I just I had to stop it's slow listening. well it's, it's a it skill really, right she's learning to podcast on her own and maybe if there's new listeners or people didn't find this drama and Brit and I really fancy ourselves is like the gossip girls of podcast <laughs> gossip and look we're not alone every other big podcast is covering this and I think the podcast community is sort of getting bored of like tv and all these other people like we're sort of our own community here so we're gonna be all over like the biggest story in in podcasting news so Sophia and Alex had this huge falling out. They had the biggest podcast in the world called Call Her Daddy, which ran on Barstool Sports. Everybody who listens to our show knows Barstool Sports from Dave Portnoy's pizza reviews. <laughs> it's the only way we all connected with it this summer. Um, and there was a, just a big falling out. I'm not going to get into all the minutiae of it, but basically, Sophia, it feels like her response, like it feels like she sort of was completely pushed out. And Alex, who now runs the show still on Barstool, she's had a chance to sort of run her side of the story and give her opinion and I really side there was a moment in time where I really like 
felt Alex's uh, side and I was kind of like on board with her. But hearing Sophia come back and hearing her side and hearing what she went through, I'm sort of like, uh, maybe I'm like tilting more this way. And then Dave dropped an Instagram. I love, I just, I love Dave. I, I like didn't like him last week and I'm like back to loving him again. I just don't want him to do sports. I want him to like come to the female side. <laughs> is he just hilarious so what did, you sent it to me he did he said he wasn't going to comment on oh my Sophia god first thing this, mor- first thing this morning first thing this morning before we get into dave's side of things let's break down all the interesting tidbits that she says on this episode right so she built her podcast dropped and she really shaped it in three segments her opening was like dear alex f you basically middle was a sort of ode to like man it's super hard approaching 30 being a woman in the pandemic i'm going a little batshit and then finally it was like hey guys what should this podcast be which we'll get to in a second but first of all in the sort of like dear alex you're my best friend she opens up and says alex you are my best friend i'm going to talk to you directly all right um, and she reads to us like she was reaching out to there was the infamous balcony meetup where the two girls went to Dave's and sort of talked to him about what they were going to do. And after that, you felt like Sophia took off. But in reality, she read the message that she was sending Alex. I think she sent two or three of them. And she just kind of said, like, uh, Alex, let's talk about this. I don't want this to fall apart. Where are you? And then Alex just totally ghosted her. I mean, in in both of those girls' defense, emotions were probably running so high at that point, right? But it was interesting because at first I thought she'd be like, Alex, like, I miss you. Like, we had a great time with each other. Let's move on. But she was more like an F you. Like, you were trying to push me out for ages. And don't make it seem like I was the one who was lazy and didn't do anything. And she... Because Alex... Well, let's is get known, to that. The editing of it all. I totally agree editing. With you. So yeah. Alex, even we t- discuss this, how Alex usually edits the whole episode, plus she's the talent on top of that. And so Sophia was like, oh, no, 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 no. Alex doesn't even write her own script. She doesn't edit. Like, she doesn't do as anything that she says and she used to have friends who would help her and she also screwed them over throughout this process yeah and it really made me think twice about who Alex is and if I like Alex or if I like Sophia I'm torn though on that point and I was thinking about it more today like the editing is a monster job and so it, so apparently the big kind of bombshell revelation that Sophia let us all know is that Alex actually has a ghostwriter that writes her scripts now let's put something into perspective Britt and I you, you know people are like oh you throw in the story throwing that story it's not like you just do podcasting off the tip of your tongue like we put a couple hours into prepping the content doing the work and that takes I'm sure all podcasts do that it takes a lot of work to put that together if Alex has somebody writing for her and Sophia doesn't like is the money is Alex paying that person directly or is the money coming out of the main pot like that's got to be that's a little weird I thought that was a little off-putting but it makes me think because I do listen to all Alex's new shows very script feeling now when I sort of go back and analyze them they feel interesting very written out and then she had her friend writing out a script which again back to early days of podcasting I've had my boyfriend sit on the couch write out stuff for me you've had your boyfriend write out stuff for you like you know there is a lot of stuff at the beginning like that but it sounds like this friend called the milf hunter it sounds like he was there writing every episode for her and then she was he was like yo like your podcast oh the other thing is the podcast makes 10 million dollars which Dave totally pushed back on he said where do you get that number from? Your podcast wasn't making 10 million. And Sophia's whole sort of uh, argument was like, this podcast was making 10 million. They were paying me 70,000. Like, and they were only doing that because I'm a woman. So that was sort of the. Yeah. Like, I loved how she was like, strong female, blah, blah. blah. Um, But it's interesting because they're, I don't know. Like, I just 
didn't really buy into everything that she had to say. Like, I still felt like she was a little bit whiny on the whole situation where she went and calculated, oh, it's, I'm only making 4% of a $10 million company. But it's like they invested in you. Like, as a business owner myself, it's like if you're going to find talent and you're going to invest in growing them and bringing them onto your already existing platform, like, of course, they're going to be successful. Does she deserve 50%? Absolutely not. I don't like um, the backdoor deal, but to just close out the editing conversation. So when a people are doing podcasting, everyone thinks that they're like have the big idea. Even me and you were actually me and you are pretty good. But I feel a lot of things <laughs> where people are like, this is my idea. This is your idea. So when it comes to I've heard this in like creative rooms with creative people before like and and Sophia saying like I am the creative force like you and then here's the other interesting thing Sophia says a lot of jokes that Alex says and then Sophia said don't take my jokes anymore so it made me feel like she was doing those jokes like I'm trying to think of a good example but it made me feel like she was doing those jokes purposely to let people know that they were hers because there's some things that you hear her saying in her podcast that Alex frequently says a lot too yeah I'm sure they're gonna have a lot of overlap because for years and years like this is they've created the same exact content but together now Mm -hmm. they're doing two podcasts apart so I'm most interested to see how are they going to differentiate themselves because you said that right now Sophia with an F is number one call Mm -hmm. her daddy's number 10 but it could just be because everyone wants to know her side of the story and then they're going to move on from her so I'm or will she keep it going I mean, we'll see. Because I did like the 30 angle. Like we talk about this with Alex. Alex is straddling two lanes right now. I like Alex. Alex is a college athlete. She played soccer. Like I get her competitive spirit. I I still, I can't really get over that she hires a ghostwriter though. That's the only thing I kind of struggle with. But Alex- I don't know because then it's like performance right like even if you look at a movie some one person might be hiring a coach and then like having someone write help with the scripts or whatever it is like there could be so many people that get help behind the scenes but all that we really care as consumers and viewers is like who performs the best mm-hmm. and I think that's what I when I was digesting everything she said and then thinking about what Alex said I was like I don't really care like even with us, I'm like I don't care who's editing I don't care who's like having people help them versus doing on their own what really matters in really anything is like what's the end result and that's what I think will be interesting to see like they're both being supported by big networks I can assume no Sophia is doing it on her own so she's launching Sloot which I it's her own thing she talks about a lot on the show but I don't know if that's a production company or if she's launching like a media brand with maybe Suitman interesting okay Yeah, but Alex is trying to straddle these two lanes. She's trying to appeal to like girls in college who are her huge fan base, like BU sports girls, big university type girls that want to hear about like getting crazy drunk in college and hooking up with college athletes. That stuff's so fun and I would have loved that too when I was 21. Like me being a 30-year-old listening to Sophia's uh, podcast, I was kind of like, hmm, that's what her content I can relate to and get on board with a bit more. So if Sophia really narrows it and then Alex, you know, is sort of playing that the the college girls and she's also trying to play like, look, I'm 27 now, too. I'm starting to get more serious about life. Like and I just don't think playing both lanes work. And she didn't mention Suitman at all, right? 
Yeah, that's one of my pushbacks there, same, Sophia, which same. I'm sort of, I, I'm torn. I'm 50-50, but possibly 60-40 on Sophia now. One thing is she did this huge, like, and even Dave said that, like, look, you do a 40-minute podcast, like, to tell the truth, and you don't bring up the one guy everyone's talking about. Yeah. Like, come on, you got to sort of, she should have said just something about him. I wish she yeah, would have done that, was that her, too. that was her one miss, I think. Oh, and then her other two misses, if I'm giving girlfriend critique, I don't like when creators put it upon the listener. So if it'd be like me and you being like, hey, guys, like, tell us what news stories you like and we'll cover them next week like no we're delivering that for you guys we are doing the work for you like we're coming here prepared with the best stories happening today for you so you can be better educated in your day and your life just going going but into but I think keeping the open dialogue is important like when people are like so like on Instagram like a lot of the influencers will always check in with their audience like so like what are you guys looking for more like do you want more beauty do you want more fashion what do you want I don't and I like think she that, has though. such a but I think that's like the only way is like that's how brands and like today can pivot and adapt so well because they listen versus just push what they want. Because I think we do a good job like when people are like, hey, you're doing too much of X or I'd love to hear more of Y. We do take that in con- into consideration. It's not like we're just like, screw you. Like now we're we're better than that. You know, F you guys we're doing it this way. <laughs> no, we're always like that's so helpful. Even with the pronunciation, people are bringing up comments on that. Like and then we oh, spent stuff a like lot that, of time. Totally. But I'm saying yeah. we're never going to come on here and be like, hey, guys, like, let us know what you want to hear, because like we don't want you to have to do the work. Now, for a quick interruption, I just want to ask something out of you guys. If you were listening to the show today and have not subscribed, would you mind just taking a couple seconds to do so? It's super simple. I'm going to walk you through it really quick. All you have to do is pick up your phone that you're listening to this show on, go to the main screen. You should see a purple icon. It almost looks like a satellite dish and it says podcast below it. Once you open that up in the search icon, type in cake for breakfast. The show will come up and just hit the subscribe button. It's free for you and very meaningful for me. It supports my business. And honestly, Oprah asks her listeners to do the same thing. So... I don't feel weird about it. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and thank you even more for supporting the show today. Most of the tech companies are work from home until July 2021, but Microsoft just announced that their team will be work from home permanently. What does this mean? Okay, the headlines makes it seem like it's everyone. Yeah. But it turns out that their guidance is that they're going to allow employees to spend less than half of their working hours out of the office, but they can receive approval from their managers to stay remotely permanently. Can I tell you what this first reads to me? It's that during the pandemic, everyone in the big cities were like, F this, I'm buying a farm and moving out of town. And then as the pandemic slowed down, people were like, holy crap, do I have to move back? And then hiring (laughs) managers are like, okay, okay, okay. We realize you spend all this money doing a work from home setup. Like, that's what I feel like is going on. I think it's more of like, shit, rehiring all this talent that now has this farm or the second house (laughs) somewhere else would be way too expensive. Let's how can we spin this in a good PR way (laughs) to make sure everyone's happy and we look good in the press? That's what I think. And but either way, I think this offers a lot more flexibility and they're trying to support their employees work styles while balancing business needs to ensure that they're creating a really strong culture even beyond the, the pandemic. And Britt, I always feel like you're right on top of the work from home um, trendsetters right now because <laughs> Facebook was the first one to really draw the line in the sand, right? And they said, yep. hey, July 2021. And then what was it in a week? We covered these stories. It was like Google was like, hey, we're July 2021. And now like... And then Twitter, I think Twitter was the first to say they're going to be working remotely forever. 
So what I thought was interesting about this whole article and just hearing how these different companies are spinning what this workplace will look like post pandemic. I think this is a huge win for women who want to have a family and an amazing career because there is a massive amount of women once they get pregnant, like statistically, many women don't go back to work. And there have been a ton of issues of who's in leadership positions. Is there enough diversity? Is there enough women? And so by allowing people to have such a flexible work style where they can still see their children still be their mothers while also being an executive at some of these major companies it's going to allow for a lot more women to hold a lot more leadership and executive positions i'd say in the next five to ten years but Britt, this totally counteracts what's happening in uh the world right now because as of September, 617,000 women between the ages of 35 and 44 pulled themselves out of the workforce. I think that women are having a very hard time with balancing, you know, working from home as an executive or as like any just working from home and 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 taking care of the kids. And it's just I'm so over these men who are like, give me paternity leave. Give me all these things. Like, how about you guys fight for the wage gap first? How about you guys like look at like what goes on with these women? And there's women like Kelly Ripa and uh, I think Sarah Foster, like they're sitting there fighting, trying to raise money, saying, how can we help? This is crazy that all these women have pulled out as of September. So I'm not saying right now because I have so many moms struggling balancing between having a family teaching them schools and all the schools are virtual at this point and a full-time job like I even have a friend 33 years old she's an executive at a company lives in New York single mom of three she ended up moving to South Carolina renting a house she had to hire a teacher a babysitter and a nanny just so she could focus and keep her job essentially okay, this woman sounds bougie as f and i want to be and her then friend. she just quit her corporate job to start her own company so my first oh, point wow. is that i do think that right now like i think in the next year of course it's going to be hard for a lot of women who are having children and having to educate them and a lot of times it doesn't make sense for them to be working and having to teach their children school. But once the pandemic slows down, once the kids are back to school, then I think we're going to see a lot of women returning back to the workforce. And we're going to see a huge uptick in these executive positions now that these companies are going to be more flexible with their work environments and their, their office structure. But on the other side, my second note is I do think a lot of women are going to take this time right now to start their own business. I'm seeing a lot of moms, like even that woman, my friend that I was just telling you about, she left her corporate job to start her own business. And I think that we're going to see a lot of other women become entrepreneurs, being able to balance life and just see that they can truly make a ton of money and live a life that they want and balance it all out. Um, So I'm just curious to see that. All right, E! News and Access Hollywood are being forced to share studio space after a massive restructuring that went down at their parent company, NBC. So E! as we all know, they're kind of like the cool hip kids, right? They cover the Kardashians, the reality TV, like very edgy cool. Access Hollywood is like your typical classic Midwestern appeal. They would lead with a segment on Garth Brooks, whereas like E probably like wouldn't pick Garth Brooks out of a crowd, right? So Access is a much larger audience, but E is sort of like the 
cool aesthetic in the crowd. Here's the dish on the story I find really interesting. You've got Access Hollywood, who has huge talent attached to the show. You've got like Mario Lopez, huge name, been around forever. E's got Morgan Stewart, who's I would argue is their most famous face right now. Others might disagree with me, but Morgan like came off a reality show. I love her, but with these shows comes a lot of ego, right? Honestly, everyone's hurting and people are having to make adjustments, whether it is people like us or people like Maureen Stewart and her umbrella girl. She might not get her <laughs> yeah. umbrella held for her anymore. And She's that very fancy. Her Maureen struggle Stewart. during the pandemic. But I think everyone's having to downgrade and think through how do we save money, cut costs, no matter who you are and how much money you have or don't have. Well, these people are big power players. So think of, here's a good example, Facebook and Instagram. Suddenly their boss is like, hey guys, like you now have to share space. Like Facebook is the Midwestern. It's huge. It's like very notable. It's got a massive audience. Instagram is like, excuse me, like we're cool. We don't associate with Facebook, but they're under, they're paid by the same person. See, that is wild that they own that many like different networks and businesses underneath them. Well, yeah. So let's go through what NBC owns because I don't think a lot of people realize this. And um, Britt and I've had the opportunity to go and sell a show before. And in my producing career, I've had the opportunity to go into meetings at all these places. Now, when I see on um, the meeting sheet that I get to meet with Bravo and E and oxygen like I am so excited I'm like oh my god this is amazing then I'm like wait why are these meetings five minutes apart it's because they're all in the exact same building because NBC owns all of them and you don't you don't think that Bravo and E have the same boss like isn't that wild like the two big reality shows like yeah it's CNBC USA CNBC MSNBC like and NBC, everyone's yelling at Amazon all the time for like, oh, they own everything. Well, why don't we like take a step back and look at the network cable and how much they own? Well, what's kind of crazy is we talked about last episode, the issue with the antitrust committee was that companies like Amazon are a marketplace, but they also compete within. When I found that NBC owned Bravo and E, but then also Rotten Tomatoes, I'm like, wait a minute, Rotten Tomatoes is what rates other shows and movies, movies yeah. yet they also own the networks that create them and we're not so, even talking like think, universal which they also like all that other stuff they own too yeah but, so i just feel like it gets a little like how big is nbc and is it getting too big Another thing that this story really, really speaks to is just the continuing decline of film and television right now. We've seen all the studio bosses suffering, all the theaters suffering, and now you've got network cable sharing studio space because they're trying to save money on space and rent and everything else. Like, think of just E! and Bravo alone, right? This season, Vanderpump Rules is going to be canceled. It has not come on the chopping block yet but I can feel it Kardashians are coming to a close very cavalry like all these really popular shows are coming off and I don't know it's just not a great sign in my opinion guys I was thinking so what would have ever happened if Amazon ended up buying Blockbuster before it died would it have been the biggest streaming platform video company ever yeah because the blockbuster of the gaming world GameStop has just been saved by a tech giant Microsoft and it just made me feel like there's a very interesting connection between these two different industries wait slow down can you break this down for me because I love this business idea so you're saying blockbuster was a company that you had to go in store to pick up a video to then rent so that company was dying, but the entertainment industry was booming at that time, right? 
Whereas the GameStop is a retail gaming shop and it's a brick and mortar location and they are very much struggling. But the gaming industry is booming more now than ever before. And so I think it's a very interesting comparison to see how, you yes. know, in one capacity, like the industry itself is doing so well, but the how they cater to that industry could determine how successful or not successful. Wait, Brit, you literally sound like an M&A banker right now. I love it. But so <laughs> do, I don't this might be a dumb question, but do people actually have to go in store to buy video games still or can you just buy all that stuff over like Amazon? I think it's free some of the games, but then there's a lot of add-ons in the game that you can then buy. I'm not too sure. According to TechCrunch, GameStop Corp has announced that they are going to be entering in a multi-year strategic partnership with Microsoft to further its strategy to expand both its physical and digital video game offerings. And so they're also going to be enhancing the retail technology at GameStop. So they're going to be using all of Microsoft's cloud solution services and using all of Microsoft's technology for their operations. And then GameStop was already selling Microsoft products. And so this was allowing them as a partnership to then use Microsoft's technology to better operate as a company. And then in return, Microsoft's now going to place some of their salespeople into GameStop to help sell the games, which is why customers will go into that store. But then they're going to hope that then they also leave with a Microsoft product in hand as well you're saying back in the day if amazon had come in and said yo blockbuster like we get your capability we get what you are let us buy you and let's partner and figure something out here because you're dying business but you still have value that i'm sure we could utilize that probably would have been a good marriage back in the day yeah because even amazon was playing with storefront presences in mm-hmm. different capacities this is allowing like microsoft closed a lot of stores during covid which you know is very expensive oh, to have a storefront store closed didn't it yeah, yeah yeah they've closed a ton across the country and so this allows them to still have an in-store presence but they're almost like splitting the finances of the cost of rent kind of like how you're saying like the different networks were sharing offices now yeah. they're kind of like sharing their own little office slash store so blockbuster I actually I told you I I cried when it went out in business. Yes. It makes me wonder <laughs> did they really know that they were going to die or were they just not wanting to adapt? But the CEO of GameStop, George Sherman was saying that he's so excited that they are having this partnership because it allows them to upgrade the operating platform and significant market share in gaming to accelerate their digital transformation. Who's and the get here? Who gets the get? Is it is it game GameStop? GameStop. Their GameStop stock jumped almost 50% after this announcement. 50%? That's insane. Yeah, that is insane. This is such an interesting partnership. And you're thinking about like, it's not Microsoft teaming up with another tech company. It's Microsoft, a tech company, teaming up with a brick and mortar store that has a presence and offers products in a very interesting industry that Microsoft is probably trying to capitalize on. Mm -hmm. And so that's like why it made me think about if, say, Amazon, which is a tech giant as well, could have teamed up with Blockbuster, who had this brick and mortar presence. They understood they had the right audience that maybe Amazon wanted to tap as they're building out their streaming services. Like what would have happened if they did a similar collaboration? 
All right, we can't go too long without covering our girls, the Kardashians. And today we are talking about Kylie Jenner, whose deal with Cody Cosmetics, they bought out 51%, was it, Britt? 50 yep, for percent? $600 million. $600 million, no small fee, they bought uh, Kylie Cosmetics out for. And now Cody's going to be taking Kylie's skin. Do we know? Actually, yes, I do know. Kylie's skin was part of that 51% deal. Because that yeah, was sort of, people were trying to figure out It's just a category a within. Yep. Yes, yes, like a subcategory. But now they're taking the skin brand International. I didn't even know that you couldn't buy Kylie Cosmetics, Kylie Skin in these international markets yet. Yeah, so what happens is when it comes to cosmetics, first off, there are almost 1,500 ingredients that the U.S. allows in cosmetics that Europe does not. And so even... If you think about Coca-Cola, if you taste it in Europe versus U.S., there is a slight difference. And that's a similar with um, beauty products. The products that are based in France are generally a lot more clean because their restrictions are a lot harsher than what are the different approvals for the United States. Now, is that cosmetics or skincare? Are they different categories or is they, do they both fall into one, do you think? So the list of banned ingredients in Europe apply to both skincare and makeup. And also on the packaging, right? Like if you think of something like if you pick up a product here in the United States, if it's all in English, they now have to change the packaging to then promote in France because there has to be French on it. So it's not like where like, you know, like some places where they say, oh, we can ship worldwide. That's great. But when you're a big company, they have to change sometimes the formulas. Um, For example, if you're going to China, they make you test on animals. So that's like a huge controversy. It's like, do we go into this massive market? But like our whole brand in the U.S. is that we're cruelty free. Like, Can we do that? Can we not? As you enter different markets, there's different testing involved. There's different regulations that are involved because you're putting it on your face. You're putting it on mm-hmm. your skin. So it's different than a T-shirt being sold worldwide. It's so interesting because I hate when I buy French products. That's why I only buy Kiehl's because they're like they list everything in French. I'm like, I can't read any of this. Not that I really read the ingredients. <laughs> but uh, okay one thing that comes to mind though is like azos i buy from and they they ship out of london so are they like are they allowed to do that because this is like kind of confusing to me i didn't even realize all these regular i guess that's clothes retail is different yeah it doesn't mean like they can't right but it's a matter of like if they're giving you free shipping the amount of money that it would cost them if they kept all their inventory in london to ship you one shirt with free shipping they'd be losing money on that sale so they have to think through that where are their warehouses going to be where is their distribution coming from so like when they now launched their improved shipping process for asos Mm -hmm. you have to assume that they have many different uh warehouses here like dc's distribution centers throughout the country to better equip and supply to the U.S. consumers. Interesting. What's your guess on what money she's going to make in London in like one day? Oh my God. I'd love to dream. Her last lip collection that she launched on her birthday in August sold out in 18 minutes. So it just depends on how much inventory they have available because I think they're going to be selling out like in five minutes. Kylie Jenner's 300 million followers. Although I do see her repping some very like low end sweatsuit brands. That's like $24 for the sweats and then $24 for the sweater. And I'm like, people must pay her a ton of money to do that. She reps fast fashion a lot, doesn't she? I think it's more like she's all those Kardashians. I feel like will rep whatever will pay 
but it's 300 million that must cost the brand like a million dollars for her to do one post oh my god millions of dollars right and i'm like how does some small fast fashion sweatsuit brand afford that but maybe she just you know maybe we don't know where their money's coming from they're just playing on volume i guess or maybe it's like a dan luxarian who's running the company (laughs) and they're just like yeah whatever works So we have Kylie Cosmetics, we have Fenty Beauty, where they all, they both started in makeup, like foundations, eyeshadows, lipsticks, mascaras. And then you have a whole different category for skin, which is your moisturizers, your serums, your masks. And so they both started in makeup and then they created their own like separate name where it's like Fenty Skin and then Kylie Skin which I'm like curious why they've separated them out so concisely, but they're both pushing their skincare line so much more than their beauty. And I don't know if that's because of the pandemic and people are just not wearing as much makeup because they're not going anywhere. But I think it's really interesting. And I've actually been pulling some of these trends because we're seeing a lot more sales in skincare as I develop mine. All right, on that note, can we talk about the Fenty X Savage Fashion Show Volume 2 on Amazon Prime, which I was absolutely freaking obsessed with. Didn't you just love it? Oh my God, it was so... She had like the top models in there. She did such a good job. Brianna is a creative, visionary, genius, brilliant. I just am obsessed with her. She's the greatest. I I wish she would do a little more music. I feel like she's dying down on the music lately, which sucks because she's amazing. But she's the creative director along with Priscilla, who's the creative director of Fenty. And they put on this fashion show that it's like, you know what it is? It's like the upgraded Victoria's Secret fashion show, which I just like lived and died for every Christmas. They don't do it anymore, unfortunately. And this is just sort of like the new way of doing it. But they have amazing women in it. They have the pretty mess, uh, Erica Girardi from Housewives of Beverly Hills. And she's becoming like a pretty famous singer in her own right. They had like Demi Moore, who's what, 55? And she was like up there rocking it with her long black hair, looking outstanding. And then they had the queen herself, Miss Bella Hadid. Who, Britt, <laughs> that is the icon of our generation. Is there anyone greater than Bella what? Hadid right now walking the runway? See, runways? I much prefer Gigi over Bella. You like Gigi over Bella? Britt, I don't know if we can go forward. I feel like Bella was not so pretty and then she got a ton of work and now she looks... She looks like a supermodel, which is great. She's tall, skinny, pretty, but I think Gigi does a lot more like collaboration. She just seems a little bit not relatable, but I do think she I just I much prefer if I could pick who to look like, I'd 100 percent choose Gigi. Well, let's remember your relatable Gigi gets perfectly painted pasta delivered to her house and uses that. So that's (laughs) not a relate. I usually buy pasta for like two dollars. Sorry, pasta. Pasta is the American. Um, like also, say. Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton was in it. Yeah. Pa- Paris Hilton, Lizzo was in it. Gigi Good. Freaking love Lizzo. I cannot wait to watch Lizzo on David Letterman's My Next Guest. I just am dying. Delevingne, Big Sean was involved, Willow Smith. Mm-hmm. They, There's they literally so many just big pivoted the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Bella, for us, is a through and through supermodel. Like, her job is catwalks. That's it. Like, she doesn't try and be, like, a musician, an actress, like, all these different things. Bella gets up in the morning. But I like that. I like that. Like, I think what we've seen in the pandemic is that you need to have multiple revenue streams. And so maybe, like, Rihanna, yes, she sings and crushes it, but she also has a beauty line. She has fashion. She does speaking engagements. She I think it waters down, though. Waters down her music career. I don't think so. Look at her net worth now with all these businesses Versus her being just a singer. But and Brent, I not think that about the, the numbers money. will show. <laughs> That's so not oh, a comment really, money girl? <laughs> coming out of my mouth. <laughs> we can disagree on that, but we both agree that you have to watch this fashion show. It's right on Amazon and let us know what you think. 
love what you heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe. Guys, we are really trying to get our review numbers up because our download numbers are going up, so we want the reviews to reflect that. It takes literally two minutes. Hit the purple podcast icon button on your phone. It's an app. And just put in a review. You can say, great work, guys. Love the show. Brittany, you're hilarious. Jess, I love you. Whatever you want, just throw us a review. We'll be ever so happy. You can add us on Instagram at girlonthestreet underscore or at Brittany.lo. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y dot L-O or at Cake for Breakfast podcast. All right, that's all for today. Don't forget to tune in Tuesdays and Thursdays for Cake for Breakfast. And once again, we love our sponsor, MillenniLink. And by using code CAKE, C-A-K-E, as the promo code, you will get 25% off your hiring fees now through Christmas. So just go on to their website, www.millennilink, M-I-L-L-E-N-I-L-I-N-K dot com slash contact dot us, U-S, and you will get 25% off those hiring fees. So reach out, get connected, and achieve your hiring goals now.